Good evening and welcome to Rescue the Fosters. I am Gino, your host, and sitting next to me and below me are the two co-founders and the president and the CFO, <laughs> all these titles. I don't know. Who cares? They're just two great people doing great work to try to save children. Miss Danielle Holm and Miss Sylvia Beachy. How are you, ladies? Good. It feel, I got to say it's a little weird. I mean, it's almost like you're not really co-hosting with me tonight. You're actually the guest on your own show. I don't know. It's weird, but we're going to, we're going to, we're going to make it work one way or another. Now we, we did have another guest scheduled. He's going to be coming on later on. He is a whistleblower. Um, he's in the new movie, uh, police state and also in America's, what is it? America's voice. I always mix it up. The one that just came out. American future, future, America's, America's future. first. That's it. First. first or first or future it's, it oh, was good I, I watched it's like a 45 minute documentary with tara wrote us and it was really good actually uh, so i highly recommend going and watching our hhs whistleblower and dhs whistleblowers because it, what we're gonna try to prove on rescue the fosters is that there is a link there's a tie between all of this trafficking doesn't matter what shape or form it comes in or what the title is what the label is there is heinous crimes going on against children across this country and we need to bring it to an end and i think rescue the fosters is the head of that spear and um we're going to do some some great work in the future ladies i know it so tonight yes. we thought you know what a what a great time to discuss the inner workings of the foster care system and also what goes on the, on the outside with the parents uh, Danielle has been a victim of the system. She understands it from the outside. Sylvia was a caseworker, case manager, working within the system and understands it. So why not bring the two together and discuss how this racket, because that's what it is, is operating. So ladies, the floor is yours. I'm just going to sit back and enjoy all the <laughs> truth bombs. Well, you can participate, Gino. We need your input. Okay, I'll try. Um, <laughs> but no, we want to break the system down because everyone seems to be terrified of the system. Uh, whenever I left the system and started like trying to even understand it as a caseworker, I didn't know where to go. I didn't understand which department to go to to report what I was seeing. Um, I, I went to who I thought I should go to, uh, but the problem is, Everyone is afraid of it. And why are they afraid of it? It's because they don't understand it. If you start researching it, it's a circle. It's a complete circle that just loops around mm -hmm. and goes nowhere. Uh, so we want to break it down so people can stop being afraid of it. Because when we reach out to journalists, when I, at least when I reached out to journalists, the first thing that they said is that we don't go after CPS because CPS comes after us. Okay, yes. so we started researching who is coming after you? Because most people don't realize that the system is privatized, meaning it is nonprofits. This is not a government agency. And who gives the power to these people? How do they have this much power? Well, it's because the people are not knowledgeable on the system. If you keep the people dumb, they don't know where to go. So we just want to try to break it down and I think between us three, we can. Um, 
So the first thing I would like to start with is whoever came up with the idea that when a child is being abused, you remove the child from the home and place them with a stranger. Why is that a good idea? Yeah, makes no that's, sense that's me. the million dollar question why is that a good idea now okay let's let's be a little more clear on this so if they are being abused by their biological parents what's the remedy for that rather than removing the child and putting them with complete strangers well most most children they have more than just a mom and dad right they have a grant they have grandparents they have uncles they have aunts they have nieces they well they may not have nieces but they have cousins they have usually more than just a mom and a dad so why are they taking them from a home where they can go and, and the majority of families that are coming to us have families and mm -hmm. a good majority of them that are calling me is custody battles so uh and they i have lots of kids in group homes right now that i'm fighting for and they have two homes they have a mom and then they have a dad. They're just in separate homes, uh, but they are living in a group home. So we can start with, and, and this is what I was taught as a social worker to do a, uh, you know, a, the child's family list. Who in the family can take the child? Why don't we start with that? Well, by law, they're supposed to. It actually says in, in their own policies, in order to uh, get funding or whatnot, they're supposed to reunify the parents uh, and or um, find family. They're supposed to go through every single avenue possible to reunify the children with family. And so when it comes to a solution, if a child is being abused, what I always say is where follow the money trails, because if that money is going to the state and or foster care, why aren't we using that money to actually help the families stay together? So if they're homeless, find them housing. If they if they need drug rehab, you know, find them the drug rehab and keep the, the children with another family member while they're in there. There are so many different ways to allocate the money in a proper way to keep families together. I, I agree completely. And that's exactly what I thought I was going to be doing as a social worker. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought when the families would come to me, that's, I would be helping them find housing and food and clothing and things like that. But what I was finding was that the kids that the kids were telling me that they were needing help and their family reached out to uh, CPS and they were removed from the home and they were placed in foster care. So good point. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I know we've had several guests on that had their utilities like you know maybe their electric uh or electricity was shut off or something like that and they took the kids because their electricity's off um, we had one guest on i think it was on let our children go where it was literally out for less than 24 hours they were they were going to pay it and they said no sorry we got to remove your children i mean if if that's the standard that we uh, remove children from the home because their power's out i mean does that happen when when a storm hits too i mean i don't right. even understand the logic behind that I mean, have you seen that before, ladies? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen children being removed because there were too many dishes in the sink. I mean, crazy things. Yeah. 
this is true um okay so the other thing we would like to discuss is the flip-flop of the system so the uh the system has literally flip-flopped where the biological family is treated like the foster parent and the foster parent is treated like the biological family and i used to always say there are rules for foster parents and there are rules for biological families and uh danielle i'm sure you can relate to this yes yeah so we were actually well even worse than being treated like foster parent we were treated like straight up criminals um they literally accused us of being criminals but that's besides the point once you're in the system they really treat you like you, it's not your child they want to put you through services even if you don't need them they want to put you through drug tests even if you've never done a drug a drug in your life they want to put you through parenting classes background checks home studies they want to analyze your your fridge and your bedroom and your bathroom and your dishes they want to analyze every aspect of your life, your financial records. They, they, they literally asked us for our financial statements. They analyze every single thing and they don't even do half of that stuff for foster parents. Foster parents, it's easy, like basic background check. And if, if they're basically, once you have a background check, I'm not sure if you can kind of touch on this part, how often do the parent, the foster parents have to be checked? because they can they can start collecting children and be in the system for however many years collecting these children and collecting funds how often are they even checked out oh well it's just a one time it's it's just one time and there's been uh events that i've been in where they will actually ask you if you are a if you are considering being a foster parent if there is anything on your record uh or criminal background, they can expunge it. So they're yep. literally expunging it for the foster parents, but not yep. for, but the biological family, they literally find, mm -hmm. find reasons to take the children. Yeah, even uh, if there aren't reasons, they're seeking reasons and then they're falsifying documents, which you have experience with. That's why you left because they, they were wanting you to falsify documents. So right. they're they're falsifying accusations against families all while barely re requiring anything from foster homes. Okay, yeah. and so somebody that's outside watching this and has never heard this before, and this is a rhetorical question, but why? Why would they do that? Why would they give more grace and mercy to a foster parent who's never met a child, met this child or children before, to the and instead of giving that to the biological parents? What would be the reasoning behind that? Money. Straight up oh, money. Come on, Sylvia. No, they wouldn't do it for money, would they? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Let's let's explain for the, for like new listeners uh, what what kind of incentives there are for a foster family rather than the biological family. Well, if you keep the child in the home, there is no money. Uh, it's zero dollars. But if you place the child in a foster home and the way that they have done it, they have privatized it. So it is nonprofits. These are placement agencies. This is not a government agency. And the reason for that is for the contracts. So 
in order to receive funding, it has to go to a placement agency um, to receive the funding. And then just to give people an idea of how much a child is worth, um, it goes by, um, they have different levels. So you, you basically, it goes by behaviors. Um, if you have a child that is compliant, obedient, and does as they are told, that is a base child. That is your no behaviorals. So when I left the system four years ago, it was $135 a day. And I think most people think that people that they're getting like 20 or $30 a day. They're not. And then if it's if they have behavioral issues and behavioral issues could be uh, running away, defiant, um, basically defiant, running away. Uh, there are there is self harm, suicidal ideations, things like that, or um, medical diagnosis, mental diagnosis. You're going to receive more for those type of children. So those are two hundred plus depending on the behaviors, if they've been sex trafficked, you're going to receive more funds because it should take more money to get the child stable, right? But that child does not receive that funds. The placement agency does. So if you have uh, behavioral kids, uh, mentally diagnosed, medically diagnosed, you're going to receive two to 300 a day per child. So you start adding that for 30 days, you're doing good. Yeah. Ridiculous. And basically, how how do we think that these children are going to react and behave when they're ripped away from their families, the only place that they know, by police usually, um, by strangers that they don't know, where there's obvious conflict every single time. I have seen SWAT teams bust down doors, go in and and remove children, kidnap children. It's literally the police state just came out and it's we're already in the police state. It's already been happening for many years. So how do we think these children are going to react? So it's a natural reaction for these children to have so-called behavioral issues. But what's happening is that their children are being blamed. And then the, the money is on top of their head because the more messed up they are, the more money that they're worth and the more money these placement agencies receive from the government. Yeah. So it's just a never ending evil cycle. Well, and this is so true because it was the children that reacted to their being removed from the home that they were say they had behavioral issues, right? And they were made out to be like this horrible child and you shouldn't listen to them. So it, it it's basically how should a person reacts when they are removed from the home that they're used to, from the support, the love, and the family. How should you react? Yeah, and also, how should the parents react? So this is where the, psycholo the psychology field is being used as a weapon against the parents and against the children. It's literally being used as a weapon. Um, they're, fal they're falsifying documents. They're using their little... So CPS has their own individual psychiatrists and psychologists and doctors that they send the parents to, and they don't allow the parents to go outside of their circle. 
So they already have these people trained against parents and against the children to divide and conquer the nuclear family. And it's creating absolute chaos in our society. And so they're, they're basically taking the reactions of the abuse that the system is putting on them and labeling them with these psychiatric disorders and then placing a value on each different diagnosis and then medicating them on top of it. And then they get kickbacks for the medications. And then there's insurance fraud that the psychiatrists are involved in on top of it all. So they're just triple and quadruple dipping with all of these financial incentives and they're, they're not caring at all about the traumatic damage that it's doing to the whole entire family. No, they just basically create a whole list of uh, positions for people to have. Um, and this was a big issue that I had with the when I was in the foster system. I didn't realize that there were so many kids on psychotropic medication. Um, and I didn't, a child, from my background, you cannot diagnose a child for bipolar until they are 18 years old, but they are children and placed with a diagnosis of bipolar, personality disorder, schizophrenic, and there are five, six, seven, eight years old, and they're placed on psychotropic medication. They are experimented on because they don't know how to re they're going to react because each child reacts differently to the medication. And the majority of the time, it makes them either suicidal or aggressive. And then they react in that way. And then, of course, they're readjusted. It's an experiment that they are doing. Uh, not only that, but they literally use plonidine for insomnia. And, and this blew my mind because plonidine is an adult blood pressure medicine. And I've mm. seen children as young as five years old, six years old placed on this medication. And I know you had an experience working uh, in the psychic, uh, in a mental hospital, right? Yep. Yeah. So I have my degree in psychology and I did go to grad school for a year, actually for social work. And thank God I didn't finish so um, I got out of that, but while I was in school, I worked at a psychiatric hospital for children and adolescents. So there were two sides. There was a pediatric side and an adolescent side, and I just went back and forth between both sides. We were trained as mental health associates on de-escalation for the trauma that they, they, they're dealing with. And so we were trained in order to handle them, literally had to restrain them to beds keep them in solitary confinement in padded rooms with the door locked and no access to us. Um, they were drugged, uh, like you're saying, on several different medications. And the youngest child, the, the, the very reason that I ended up leaving is I couldn't take it anymore. And I also was retaliated against. And this is kind of a crazy story, but I was bullied by my coworkers. And I actually went out with them one night and to try and just be part of the camaraderie just so I could get through the work day. And I was drugged by my coworkers. So I ended up leaving after all of this. But anyways, um, that aside, the youngest child that was there was a five-year-old little boy. Supposedly his parents were in jail, so he was in foster care. About 80% of these children, if not more, were from foster care. 
and some of them were there long term because there wasn't anywhere to put them and if they showed any kind of behavior they just threw them in this facility this psych facility to lock them in there and so many of them were suicidal so there were times where I had to sit at their door just talking to them watching them to make sure that they didn't commit suicide and it was just awful. And I so this was back in 2008, where I started recognizing that foster care are literally just throwing children inside of these facilities. Nobody's aware of it. They're being drugged, put in padded rooms. That five-year-old little boy smeared his poop all over the inside of his solitary confinement. And I got in trouble one day because I went in there and I, I was cleaning up and you know talking to him and i took him out of the restraints that they ended up putting him in after he smeared poop on the walls and i just had him sit on my lap and just let him scream and cry and you know it, it was awful and this was actually eight years before my son was kidnapped so i had experienced that side eight years previous to what happened to my child so it's it's true like they're really drugging these children and they're making so much money off of every single child and the worse off the child is the more money that they are worth to the state so it's absolutely atrocious yeah oops go ahead i was just say real quick um immune ninja in the chat has been posting some stuff we might want immune ninja to come on the show um yeah. said so so true being a native american they practiced on the native be yeah. natives before uh this to the public from the 1950s and he says uh, i was kidnapped by the government of canada in 1969 and sent to america to get me out of the country it's sad it's human trafficking but in the day but back in the day in the 1950s it was free to get a kid but when they discovered they could make money they cranked out thousands of dollars now it's a big business and very sick kids are for sale in america monster in american monsters the adoption agency they are sick um make millions off of kids and then he says i made a painting on this called factory it was um it was of babies in blankets coming out of a machine for the public whoa yeah that's okay wow. Wow. Uh, so yeah you know hey if you want to reach out to the ladies at rescue the yes, fosters uh, go ahead and yeah. shoot them an email and we'd like to hear your story and if you want to come on or you don't even have to if, if you want to stay anonymous you can do that also uh, mm -hmm. but it's important to get all these stories out and even though you're before the actual system began you know the uh the cash making system it is the atm uh your story is just as important i mean and then he yeah. said you know, uh, the yeah. issue is kids like me want revenge on them so bad for doing this to all of us i don't blame you i mean that's i think mm -hmm. for me after hearing all the stories we've done and we've done i don't know 60 or 70 now parents coming on and, and people that have been abused by the system that's something that you you don't just like shake that off and it goes away for the rest of your life i mean i you know i believe truly all three of us do is we're christians we believe jesus christ can give you the peace that surpasses understanding but you still have trauma there's still deep down trauma because humans aren't meant to treat other humans like that like they're commodities. Mm -hmm. And so we yep. feel your pain and we, we think your story is important. So if you want to come on, you're more than welcome to. Yeah. Yes. And we, and we agree. Like, um, I actually, I don't know if, if he's thinking about a lawsuit or anything like that, but that's what we're doing right now is we're filing, 
a lot of lawsuits. We've already gotten, I have another one in the works right now to, today because we are going after these people. We are not afraid of these people because they are regular people. They are not, they are not in charge of us. They do not have the right to treat people this way. And um, we want to help you. Yeah. That's literally what what we're doing this for, because I mean, this organization, Rescue the Fosters, did not exist when I was going through it. So we didn't have anyone to go to. We didn't have anywhere to go. We had no help. We had everyone thought we were crazy because people weren't hearing about this. So this is exactly why we're doing what we're doing. So people like, what did you say, Ninja? (laughs) Yeah, Immune Ninja. Okay. People, people like that person can come to us and have a, at least be able to voice what happened to them and, and release it because sometimes with trauma, we just need somebody to talk to. And, and that's the first step to healing. And when you don't have that, when you don't have people to, to talk to, how can you even start the process of healing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I'm going to disagree with, with Sylvia just a little bit. She said they're just people like us. No, they're not. These are demons. These are yes. sick human beings. Yes, yeah. they're human. They have, you know, two arms, two legs. They have a head and a brain. But these are demonically possessed people mm-hmm. doing disgusting yeah. things to children. Uh, whether yeah. they're pedos or they're just trafficking them, it's the same thing. It's the same sickness and it needs to stop. And I believe the death penalty should be instituted for anybody that harms a children, child. That is biblical, yeah. so yes. Well, that and also, like, just working with the children, like, they can't function when they've been treated this way. That it, it really, and especially sexually abused, and that's another thing that I noticed in the system is sexually abused, sex trafficked, um, and literally, you think that. I think people assume that kids go from an abusive home into foster care and just live normal lives and that's not what happened they can't function they can't get up in the mornings they can't uh, just getting out of the bed to go to school is a is hard for them um their hygiene uh going to school focusing in school sitting in class um literally all I saw from the kids was that they were trying to get back to their family and they didn't know how to. So they would take every opportunity. Um, I had one child, he would, um, he had his father's number and he's like, my dad's never going to change his number until I age out. So he would call him every time he got a phone and they would tell me and other workers, don't let him near a phone. So this is how they like control it. But the kids were basically just trying to get back to their family. And that that's why they were running away. They were whatever they could do. So these kids do not go into the foster system and just live normal lives. It messes them up for life. Yep. Well, think about a kid that's just lost, like in a grocery store or something. He's mm-hmm. separated from his mom for five minutes. That kid's in complete panic mode. I mean, yeah. absolute terror. I remember when I was a kid, I got lost. You know, I was with my mom and, you know, I wandered off and I was hiding in the clothes rack or something, you know, being mischievous. And my mom was in a full-blown panic <clears throat> thinking I got taken. I couldn't find her. I I was like six years old maybe. And I remember I, someone, there was like a security guard or something and he saw me and he like took me up to the counter and they made the n- announcement over the PA. But like, that's horrifying. Any, right. you know, any parent that's had that separation just for a few moments understands that fear i mean my own 
my second oldest son, um, when he was young, he used to run off all the time on us. And we were on a vacation and we lost him for like 45 minutes. I mean, it was like horrible. I can't imagine what parents have to go through in these poor children, the trauma that's involved when they're separated for, I mean, sometimes forever. Like it's terrifying. It's horrible. Well, yeah, because. Oh, go ahead. (laughs) Well, I was just going to say real quick on that, the, the energetic bond between parents and child is real. I mean, the DNA passed down from parent to child has literal energy in it like it has our consciousness in it we're passing it down our lineage it's real it's a bond that can't ever be severed even though they try and they some sometimes they'll terminate parents rights and say like oh it's been too long sorry the bond's severed that's not even correct it's it's impossible and that was actually proven the other night when chris um, was on for mind shift and he was talking about how he was a surrogate baby and his biological mother who he didn't even know because he thought it was a family friend was at the playground and he ran right up to her and called her mom not knowing it was his mom he automatically knew energetically his soul knew his mom so the fact that they are trying to sever these bonds they can't do it but but they're ruining this and then so that creates a trauma and and like you said, Gino, you feel it your entire life. Mothers without their children are never the same. I've n- I'll I'll never be the same. You know, even when I see him again, which I have faith that I will, I it's going to take a long time of lots of love between the both of us to heal. And it's going to take a lot of patience, a lot of courage, a lot of bravery. It's going to take all of the a lot of strength to really you know, heal our bond. And it's like, it's that way for all parents and their children. It's, it's severe trauma. Yeah. That's horrible. You know, that bond, energetic bond you're talking about. I mean, this is proven through science and they've proven there's a biological chemical that's emitted just like, you know, animals know the scent of their young. And it's a very similar thing with, with children and their mothers and the mother and their child. It's, there's an unbreakable bond that God created between human beings, biological parents, and their children. Um, yep. And these these demons are trying to sever that bond and forever collect money on them. I mean, like, they're commodities. That's it. Yep. Yeah. That's it. Um, yeah, okay, so what else do we want to talk to? Oh, let's talk about the different departments. Like, when just navigating the CPS system. This is the problem. Like as a caseworker, I, I didn't even know how to navigate the system. So as a parent who had their child taken from them, where did you go? Where did you start? Oh, geez. (laughs) Where do I begin? Well, um, we were thrown into it without knowing anything. So like most people, and we're hoping to change this, so people need to understand the Constitution and they need to start understanding the system because this is how we're all being duped. But when this happened, we didn't know. So the very first thing that happened is they forced you into this courtroom that you think is real, but it's not. It's not a court of law. It's an administrative court. Um, So... And that's like a whole other 
podcast for like another time is the whole entire court process is, is kangaroo court it's fraud. Yep. So, um, so the very first thing we do is we went through the court system. Um, and, and that's the crazy thing too, is that they're kidnapping these children in different ways and they're, they're putting them into the system in different ways in our situation. And in a couple of other situations I'm aware of, they pushed our infant child through juvenile court. This had nothing to do with family court. Family court is separate from juvenile court. So they actually took our child into custody and put him through juvenile court. And we were slipped a piece of paper from somebody at the courthouse that we weren't even supposed to see this, but we have evidence where he was charged with a felony at 33 hours old so they're sometimes charging these infants and or just children in general with crimes just to put them into the system to make to basically give the appearance that they're in their custody there there was no custody case there wasn't a family court hearing there wasn't anything like that it was literally a juvenile court so we ended up putting a habeas corpus into federal court asking for them to show us the prisoner because they arrested him and charged him with a felony and so we we went through the the entire process of the federal court they ended up doing an online video uh online hearing it wasn't even in person and that defeats the whole purpose of a habeas corpus they're supposed to show the prisoner and describe why they're holding that person that's the whole entire purpose but they did it over over Zoom and basically said that it was a custody battle, which was a lie because it wasn't in family court. And they ended up pushing it into family court via child support, which is Title IV D, where they get parents on child support after they kidnap the children. So then that's when we went into family court because they claimed that they were the spouse of my husband at the time, and they were going after him for spousal support as though he was getting divorced. So they do all of these crazy wordplay things, and it, it's all fraud. And so we started off in the court, the court case. We went to every single court hearing. They terminated our rights without our knowledge. Um, we didn't even find out our rights were terminated because they had stopped visits. They got a restraining order. They did all kinds of crazy things. And so they, we didn't even find out about the termination of parental rights until it was already too late to appeal. So we couldn't even appeal. It was denied. We tried anyways, but it was denied because of the time. So then we were like, okay, this is absolute domestic terrorism. The only thing that we're going to be able to do is get officials to see what's going on, to expose this, to go here, go there, go everywhere. So we went to the FBI. Um, we went to the Department of Justice. We went oh, to wait. the department. Can you say each department told you? What they told me? Yeah. Okay, so the very first FBI office was in Birmingham, Alabama. We gave them all of our facts and evidence, and we actually gave them a filing. We filed charges with the FBI. The very first initial agent told us um, that they wouldn't even put anything into the system unless they thought there was a case. And so he was going to look everything over. And so he did, and he called us back. And he said, you know, 
there is religious rights violations, there's color of law violations, there's civil right violations. So I am putting this into the system, but we don't have jurisdiction. So we're going to transfer this to another office that does have jurisdiction and it's in their hands. So they did that. They put it into the system. They transferred it to another office. Well, the office they transferred it to is where the original kidnapper's daughter works. So they ended up just we we met with that office several times the supervisor at that office in gadsden alabama actually said to us what do you want us to do arrest everyone involved there's like a hunt over a hundred people involved and we're like yeah that's your job that's what you're supposed to do so they just swept it under the rug they said we're not going to get involved in your civil in your civil matters and they just they didn't do anything from that point so we took that same filing and all of our evidence and we went to the department of justice they completely ignored us for several years until 2019 this was weird the um top prosecutor of the department of justice did call us and he wanted specific information about the original kidnappers and he didn't tell us why he didn't say what was going on he just said he was investigating but that was in 2019 and we haven't heard anything since. So we don't know what's going on there. Every time, every time we call, they hang up the phone, literally while speaking, they hang up on us. They know our names. Um, we went to the Department of Homeland Security. And as soon as we even got to the door and started talking to them, they got agents to come escort us off the property and said that we would be arrested if we stayed there and we had to go away um we went to the alabama governor they kept shutting the doors they wouldn't um schedule appointments with us so we would show up and they didn't want to make an appointment with us um we went to the commissioner's office we spoke to the commissioner that's over cps in alabama and we actually um we went to a, a commissioner meeting in regards to this and spoke and they wouldn't even look at us or talk to us after um so we weren't getting anywhere with local officials so then we're like let's take this to dc so we went to dc for three months we went to every single senator's office and got business cards emailed them called them tried making appointments nobody i don't want to say nobody a few people would meet with us but they would say there's nothing i can do sorry we don't have jurisdiction and then most people wouldn't meet with us so it was just void block um block install uh they, they just don't want anything to do with it and everybody says the same thing over and over and over that they don't have jurisdiction in fact on the paperwork that cps puts into the case they're using the attorney general's name of the state of alabama so his name is on some of the paperwork so we contacted the state of alabama's attorney general at the time it was steve merrill and his office said we don't have jurisdiction they actually said we don't have jurisdiction over your case and his name is on the paperwork. So they they say that so they claim jurisdiction to kidnap your children, but then once they're in the system, they say, sorry, we don't have jurisdiction. Because technically they don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So no, they they get you from both sides. So you can't win. Yep, exactly. And so after DC, we were protesting, we spoke with, with Secret Service, we were trying to get in front of Trump. 
Um, we went to the Department of Justice there, the Washington, D.C. one, the FBI office there. Um, let's see. We tried going to several Native American reservations to try to figure out if they could help us because I have Native American lineage, you know, associated with my bloodline. So we tried doing that route. That didn't work. Um, finally, we just gathered all of our evidence, all of our documentation, all of our recordings, put it on a disc and brought it to the military. We went to the Air Force. We went to the National Guard. We went to the Army. And and then I think that the second time we went to the Air Force, Space Force came out. So then they met with us and then they they compiled everyone in one meeting. So in one meeting, it was all of us. So National Guard, Army, Space Force, Air Force and us giving them all. And they called the local police in because they said they wanted everyone on the same page. So we gave them all of our evidence and we haven't heard anything from anybody since. And that was about three years ago. So. We went everywhere, <laughs> literally. Yeah, yep. and that doesn't Sounds even good. include all the judge, all the um, lawyers you've tried to uh, oh, yeah. over the years use to your yep. advantage. Yeah, it's just sick. It's a sick system. You know, I want to link again at this point. There, the common denominator between what's going on with the border and the children there, and what's going on through foster care and these group homes and adoption and all the CPS taking kids. It's the same thing. It's money. And guess whose money it is? Yep, the good old-fashioned taxpayer, us, the U.S. citizen, taking our money from Social Security and giving it to these animals uh, to steal children and traffic them and do heinous crimes against them. And it, I, don't, I don't even know how to explain it any better. It's simple. This is a simple thing. It's all incentivized. That's why it's happening. You stop the money, you can pretty much stop this overnight. Now, of course, you're going to have animals out there. There's always sick people doing sick things. But if you take their money away, they're going to look for some other way to make money. Like they're going to go back to the old-fashioned way of you know dealing drugs or arms or something like that. Um, but yeah. right now, it's it's on taxpayer money, and it's all funded by us. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and so what do parents do? Where do they go? Well, when you've gone everywhere and you have such solid information about kidnapping and domestic terrorism and them violating the Constitution and breaking laws, and also the judge in my case, I know you've heard this a bunch of times, but he said the Constitution doesn't apply in my courtroom. He, ha he said that on recordings. And, you know, he's actually correct in that sense because it was a fake courtroom. So... It's it doesn't yeah. didn't apply. So I what do parents do? And this is the problem that we're facing is that in a kangaroo court and a banana republic, where do they go? What do they do? Because they're not even upholding the Constitution. These people are not following the law. They're doing whatever they want. It's already a police state. We're already in it. Yeah. And, yeah, I don't and think just most from people... my... Go ahead. Go ahead, Sylvie. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say from my experience with advo advocating, especially on Megan Walsh's case, I contacted every department, uh, the attorney generals, the commissioner, the inspector general, which I am told is the oversight oh, for yep. CPS, but they don't, they, they reply with, oh, they, the, uh, there's nothing they can do. So oh, I contact, yeah. <laughs> The DA, um, I was told that um, 
let's see, it was the DA that told me um, they only work if it's, they don't work, they're not over foster care, but if there is a criminal activity, because I was like, well, what if the caseworker is falsifying documents? And what if they are um, lying under oath? Then what? Well, you have to file a police report against the caseworker. Um, so then this goes back to the police. So where you start at is the police department, which is who is the people that take the children, right? Yep. So this is a uh, this is the problem too, because they tell you, okay, well, if you can get a police report, then you can send it back to us. But a lot of the police won't even take a report from these parents. Nope. So it's a loop. Yeah. It is a loop, and I just on that note, I completely forgot. We did go to the inspector general, the DA. We went all those places too. The local police, the sheriff's office, everything. Even the sheriff in the town that was holding him hostage actually said, "You know how many people have come up to me wanting to get your baby back?" And he said, "I keep telling them I can't, or the feds will come after me." The sheriff said that to me. Oh my god! Wow. So. The, the sheriffs don't realize, like, they are the ones with the power constitutionally. It's them that they can they can stop this, but they're too afraid of the federal government because they're not doing the right thing. They Well, that's um, the key. They do have the power constitutionally to do it. But when yeah. you're when a tyrannical government is running things, they fear the tyrannical government because they're going to take away their funding. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's all it, everything's about money, right? They'll just cut off the flow of money to the sheriff and then bye bye sheriff. And then they get in the guy they want anyway. So very few of them stand up. I mean, you know, we have uh, Grady down there in in Florida. You see him all the time. Um, We have Sheriff Mack, who started the Constitutional uh, Sheriff's um, Association. Um, But we just need them to understand the power the sheriff has, the jurisdiction and uh, the constitutional obligation they have. They should be standing up to it because the people, the majority of people would back the sheriff. And then the government cowers. They always do. They would cower in the face of pressure and public scrutiny. So, yeah. I mean, that's that's what I think has to happen at the grassroots level. Obviously, there's lots of other things that need to happen, but that would be yeah. a good start. Yep, definitely. Yeah. And open the courtrooms to the public. And also yes. some courtrooms you can go courtroom watch. And so if, if there are certain courtrooms that do allow that. And if you are able to, that would be great because that does put eyes on the court. Um, and it would be good for people to see what these courtrooms are like because they are literally five minute hearings and they don't let the family speak. They don't hear from them at all. They just say, all right. And most of the time they just have the therapist come in and say, okay, this is the therapist. This is their recommendation. This is what we're doing. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then in some cases, like in mine, they have, um, like I was saying earlier, where they have a network of people that they go to for every single case. And every single person has their own role in the kidnapping scheme. And so they go to the same therapist or the same counselor in every single case. And in my case, they brought in one of their good friends who I found in pictures at parties with the judge later on and with her arms around the judge's neck. And I had never met this woman and she was an expert witness in our case 
as a counselor trying to paint the picture that we were delusional with hallucinations and we had religiosity because we talked about God. So we never even met her until she literally walked in the courtroom and sat on the stand. And so they use these expert witnesses and take what they're saying as evidence, even if the parents have never met them. And it's just one big oiled machine against parents that are kind of usually caught off guard and don't even know what to do or where to go or or who to, how to get help because everybody's against them. Yeah. yeah. And that's an important point, too, that I think, you know, people that maybe are joining us for the first time and never heard this before. You know, I come from, you know, two years ago, I knew nothing about this. So I say this all the time, but I, I was just Joe Public doing my thing and thinking CPS was doing their job, going and, you know, getting kids away from being abused by their parents or drug addicted parents where parents just weren't able to, you know, take care of that child. I thought they were doing good work. That's what I always thought. And then you meet Sylvia and Sylvia just <laughs> drops a bomb. I mean, I'm like, wait, what? What's going on? <laughs> I mean, I was blown away. Yeah. And then the foster, wait, the foster care and adoption too? Like it's all a racket, the whole thing? And then you find out the churches are involved, you know, whether knowingly or unknowingly, it doesn't matter. At some point, yeah. everybody needs to be held accountable. Uh, so, you know, if you're new to this subject and you've never heard it before, I would say just, you know, be objective. Think about what your government's been doing anyway forever for the last 40, 50 years. I mean, this is a patriotic um you know, channels and stuff. So everybody watch and understands that the government has been trying to gain more and more control. Well, why wouldn't they want your family? They removed God from the school. They removed yeah. pastors from politics with the 501c3. And the family is like next on the totem pole. You destroy those yeah. things. You just, you destroy the country from within. It's over. It's game over. And we're at yeah. that point. We are literally at the point of it being destroyed. Because once the family's gone and God's gone, it, there ain't no getting it back. It's over. Yep. It's, it's very nefarious. And our children are hurting. I mean, the, the parents are, but the children are. Like, we have to really get back to where are the children and what's happening to them. And uh, I can tell you from my experience in the group home, it's not a safe place. It wasn't a safe place as an adult. And so these kids are made to, to be in survival mode and fight. That's literally what they're doing. They're just fighting to live every day. Yep. And then the, when they go missing from these group homes and foster care places, um, we parents don't even know. So for all I know, my son could be in Egypt right now. I have no idea. Um, they don't tell us and they don't, they don't, like you always speak on this, where runaways, you don't, there's no Amber Alert. There's no search party. You as a caseworker are not allowed to even look for them. So, and, and then we parents, we're, we're surviving and trying to basically, um, I don't even know how to explain it, but they, they basically make every, almost all the parents homeless. I, I mm -hmm. ended up homeless. Um, a couple of other people that we know, Terry and Mark, they ended up homeless. Many parents end up homeless, like fighting for their life while the child is in group homes fighting for their life. 
and then they go missing and that's where the trafficking comes in. And so yep. when the FBI said that 88% of the sex trafficking in this country is coming from foster care, well, we need to really look at the group homes because that's where it's happening. Exactly. Yep. That literally they can just go sit right next to the uh, group homes and wait for the children to run away because they run away every single day. And the majority of time they don't come back. So it's, it's, it's easy pickings for the traffickers. Um, Not only that, but we have to start looking, we, we need to change the stigma. If a parent had their child taken that they did something wrong, we, why does the social worker, the caseworker have so much power that their word is the Bible? Because that's how, who controls the narrative. It's the caseworkers, the social workers, the supervisors, the directors. Whatever goes in that file is what is said. But the biological family story does not get put in there. It's only the social workers. And why do we give them that much power? The majority of social workers don't have a social work degree. They don't even have any type of degree in investigation. Or psychology, it's usually, they can have a bachelor's degree in music, culinary, dance, uh, art. It doesn't even have to be a, de- a legit degree. And yet we continually go with their side of the story and don't even think that maybe they're lying. Maybe they're doing this because of the money. And we have to change that stigma. Um, and we also need to, there's so much, everyone who has been affected by the system, whether you're a caseworker, a foster parent, a parent, a child, the system hurts them. It does not help them. So we need to come together and unite and start standing up for families, start helping families, reuniting families. Um, the other thing is, is that it's, Uh, 6% more likely for a child to die in care than in a biological home, even if they're being abused. So we really need to look at that. You also said a good stat last night that um, that was really good. Yeah. um, So in regards to missing children, so basically 2,300 children go missing in America from American families every single day. And 95, so that's 95 children every hour, every single day. And that equates to, I think it was 839,500 every single year. That's how many children in America are going missing from American families. And when you combine that with the fact that FBI has already said that 88% of sex trafficking is coming from foster care, well, what does that tell you? So where are these children being taken from? You know, I always see these news stories out on mainstream media. Oh, the FBI came in and raided and rescued all these children. Have you ever heard them say where they all came from and where they're going back to? You never hear them say where they came from. And then all that happens is they rescue them and then they throw them right back into the system to repeat the cycle. Right. You know, the 88% on a college exam, okay, cool, you get a B plus, right? Maybe even an A minus yeah. if you hit hit that grade curve, right? Uh, when it's the foster care system, folks, eighty eight percent are trafficked 
out of the foster care system. That is complete and utter failure. Like how in the world is the foster care system even still functioning at that rate? You know how it is? Because no one knows about it. Yep. No one understands. They think, and look, this is not, again, I don't want to paint with a broad brush. There are great foster parents. I know some. I have a friend. They adopted their, she did come from an abusive house and, and drug addicts and stuff. We knew the parent. But that's a rare rarity. That's not common. So there are good foster parents. There's the ones that come in and they want to help children. They have a, the right heart, um, you know, and, and they're raising them correctly. And they become their mom and dad, essentially. Now, they'll never be their biological parent. But they've stepped in and they've played that role, an important role in that child's life. But that's rare. And I, you know, I came from the other side. I used to think, well, yeah, they're, they're doing great. The foster care is great. Of course, it's a good thing. It's helping children. But if you don't dig deeper than the surface, you're never going to know this stuff. And an 88% failure rate is failure, complete and utter failure. Mm -hmm. Like, how in the world does it still function? I mean, it's not really functioning, but, you know, for lack of another term, it, it is still running and, and kids are being put in the system. Yep. Sounds like we have an easy way to abolish sex trafficking. <laughs> yeah. Shut the border down and shut foster care and you've solved the problem almost immediately. Problem like, solved. Shut the border, yep. shut down foster care. Now we can start healing. We can start finding the parents that belong to the children or grandparents or aunts or uncles. I mean, there's DNA tests. They're using DNA tests to track bloodlines. So why not use DNA tests to find families and reunite them and shut down all the bad things? Seems pretty simple to me. Me too. Sure does. The rescue the fosters but can head it off. We can start collecting all the families. And we've already started. We've already started <laughs> re reunifying. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but yeah. you know, Danielle, you brought up a good point. Simple, it's simple. But see, the government doesn't like simple because then people catch on. So the yeah. more complicated, the more convoluted, they keep people basically, for lack of a better term, retarded. <laughs> they literally keep <laughs> you retarded so you don't know what's going on. I mean, look at the tax code for crying out loud. Even accountants, have, I don't, my accountant said he had to go to classes like three times a year to keep up with the, with the tax codes. Like, of course they're trying to make it difficult. They want to be able to audit you. They want to be able to, to come and take your money and put you, you know, take things from you and take property. And like, it's tyrannical. That's what it's all about. It's, it's so disturbing that it's, I don't like thinking about this stuff. Nobody does, especially when it comes to children. But if we don't think about it, who's going to protect them? Who's going to change the laws? Who's going to get judges that actually do their job and adjudicate? How, when are we going to get lawyers that actually stand up and have the uh, testicular fortitude to stand up and say, you know what? Yeah, that's the Christian way of saying balls. <laughs> testicular, testicular fortitude. fortitude. Yeah. I like it. Um, <laughs> and it's like, but when are they going to stand up and say, you know what? No, I, I think I really need to do something right. I got to help families, not tear them apart and just make money and go out on my, you know, 35 foot yacht over the weekend. In our cottage up north like it's i don't know it, the insanity has to stop yep agree 100 percent. so did we have any other questions written down there that <laughs> yeah 
is there any questions on your end? Is anyone putting anything in the chat, Gino? Chat's been quiet. It like stopped. Uh, Unlimited Anonymous here, our good friend Unlimited. <laughs> What's up, brother? Oh, I actually, I actually <laughs> wanted to go back and um, we were talking about the police real quick because um, you had started talking about how parents can't file police reports. I've been asked that a bunch of times. Like, well, did you go to the police and file a report? And I'm like, the police are the ones that came into the hospital and kidnapped him. <laughs> so when we, we actually did, we went to the police station to file a police report. And the very police officers that were in my hospital room said, no, you're not filing a report here. So then where do we wow. go? So yeah. we went. And so they actually brought like the whole entire police force to intimidate us and get us off their property. We were not allowed to file a police report. So that's when we went to the sheriff and the sheriff said, I can't do anything because the feds will come after me. So they literally stall and block families. And then, you know, Gino, you said that you didn't hear or you didn't know about this because nobody hears about it. Because on top of all of this, usually families are gagged. I had a gag order put on me on day one. We had a gag order as soon as we walked into the very first court hearing. So immediately they shut the parents up and then it's behind closed doors. There's no jury trials because it's not in criminal court. It's an administrative mm -hmm. law where there's no jury. So that's how they're getting away with it. And it's, I, I mean, parents have to just start really saying, I mean, honestly, they got to just start saying, no, CPS cannot be allowed anywhere near your family, period. Yeah. I think you're muted. Oh, man, I almost made it through a whole show. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for saying it so nice this time, Sylvia. Usually she's really mean. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I was saying... I was saying that um, most people don't know that CPS, Child Protective Services, is in a lot of hospitals. They have their own little office downstairs. And if a doctor yeah. or a nurse sees something suspicious, well, they just make a nice little phone call down to the office. And you get a little visit from, you know, some guy in a trench coat. No, maybe not a trench coat, but <laughs> some of them envisioning these people. They're just evil. I mean, and then they come up and it can be a false allegation. We've seen this time and time again, medical kidnapping. It's a big thing going on um, where they it's it's just a doctor's word and you have no say in the matter as the parent. You don't get to question them because they're the doctor. They're the expert. I mean, we had a case uh, a couple months ago. I think it was in North Carolina. They have they actually had the x-rays. They, they finally subpoenaed the x-rays and showed there was no broken bones. Yet the doctor said he would this child had broken. Um, I forgot what. Uh, one of the one of the bones in his arm and said it was because of child abuse but there was no broken bones on the x-ray so he lied and there was yeah. no, and they their chat their kid's been gone for nine months ten months I mean this it, this is what I'm saying like if we don't wake up I mean we're this is Nazi Germany stuff like this is the SS yeah. coming to your door and just saying hey we're taking everything including your family yeah yeah that child that's gone for nine months at this point, what they're doing, what the government's doing, they're, or CPS is doing and the judge, they're waiting for that child to be in the system for 15 months. 
And then at the 15 month mark, well, it really depends on the state. Sometimes it's a year, but um, between 12 and 15 months, they terminate the parental rights no matter what usually, because that's when they are able to receive the federal funding. So they drag on the entire court process with these parents for at least 12 to 15 months on purpose. They drag it out. And that's why a lot of us deal with, um, they will cancel court hearings and then they'll just make you sit and wait for months at a time. And then they'll cancel the next one and then they'll drag it out even longer because yeah. the more they drag it out, the more chances are that they've reached that mark to get the federal funding. Yep. In a lot of states, it is a year now. Uh, they're not even following the 15 months. Yep. That's crazy. So what's the answer? So, what's the answer to this? Is it awareness? People just got to wake up and, and start calling their senators oh. and congressmen? Or is well, this something yeah, it's holding them accountable. It, we need to hold these uh, officials accountable. Uh, because we need to start holding the caseworkers that are lying under oath falsifying documents. We, they need, they need criminal charges. Yep. So we we've got to, but we need the people. It's not going to work if there's only five, ten people. We need you. We need you to wake up. Yeah. Go to the go, go to court. You can literally a lot of these are online. You can down. I used to watch Megan's court online. So, I mean, you can literally do this from your house, but we have to start holding these officials accountable. But yeah. how, okay, so I this is what I'm hearing. I know there's people that are like, oh, yeah, we would love to hold them accountable, but there's no justice right now. Everything's corrupt. So, how do you get this? How do you get justice when there is no justice in the land? Well, with the people, there will be. That's that's what it has to be. It has to be us. It has you know, to Gen be us. General Flynn, what does he say? Uh, lo uh, <laughs> local action, national impact, right? And that's exactly yeah. it. I mean, if we don't rise up like the, the mama bears did during, you know, all the stuff that was happening in the schools, well, then you have mm -hmm. the same issues and, and nothing's going to get accomplished. So I think that's the only answer. The answer is we, the people, stand up. We still have rights, thank God. Um, and we need, we do need sheriffs though. We do need local sheriffs to stand up for the constitution and for the people they're supposed to protect and serve. Remember that it's on the side of the police car. <laughs> it used to, I don't know if it's on, on them very often anymore. They are on some of yeah. ours, <laughs> but that used to be the model, right? Protect and serve. Yeah. And that means you do your job. And if like, I, I think. If, 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 you know, you get that dreaded knock at the door and it's CPS, right? And why are the police with them? To, and we asked that before. And the police said, to protect them. What? Yep. <laughs> to protect the right. people taking the fan? Like, are you kidding me? Like, what about the person? Why not say, wait, well, whoa, we need to investigate this to see if this is a false claim or not. Instead of just accusing people of crimes they didn't commit. Yeah. It's just... I don't like what's what's a good word for it. I think insanity is is the one word that always comes to mind. It is insane. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Who came up with this idea? <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'll tell you, brilliant pedos. Pedos, yeah, yeah, that's who came up with it. Yeah. Gangsters. So the thing with the police, the the police are protecting the corporation of America. They're not they're not actually even designed to protect the people. It's not for the people. And that's what the, a lot of the police don't understand. Maybe some of them do understand that now, but they are literally protecting the businesses, the corporations and the you know the private cps buildings and those people that work in there because okay in my case the they had police officers every single visit monitoring our visit to paint the picture that we were crazy criminals or something that needed to be watched with our child every single week and we asked those police officers are you on duty as a police officer or off duty they were in their uniform, wearing their guns and their badges off duty and getting 1099s from CPS as an off duty police officer protect there to privately protect the CPS workers. And I asked them, or I, actually my son's father asked them uh, once, what are you gonna do right now if we walk out of this building and go home with our child? And the police said, we will arrest you for obstruction of justice. And so what people don't understand is that that law obstruction of justice is actually written for the police, not for us. And so they are actually breaking their own law and flipping the whole thing backwards and flipping it and using it as a weapon on us. So that's where people have to start waking up and start not taking not taking it anymore because the police aren't here to protect us at all the sheriffs on the other hand are here to protect us and they are too afraid to so the sheriffs have to stand up and that's because the sheriff and the police are completely separate and a lot of the police departments are actually privatized as well they're they're private police departments so um interesting whole, uh, yeah mm-hmm if you look into police departments, I actually have a manual on how to start your own police department. You can literally start your own police department. Well, there's our answer. Should we start our, should we start our <laughs> yeah. own police department? Yeah. I want to be sheriff. Can I be sheriff, please? Yes. <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah. Like, there's an actual handbook on how to start your own police department because they're all privatized. It's basically another business it's not the same thing as the sheriff department at all well that's the same thing with the the foster system people don't realize that this is not a government agencies these are privatized Correct. these are regular nonprofit and yep. businesses some of them yep. are flat out businesses yep. uh it is not a government agency and it goes by the state in georgia it has a government and privatized Florida, yep. it's only privatized. And Florida is the only state that is privatized because it was the first state to experiment with privatization. Yeah. So then start pulling up your areas, people. Start Googling mm -hmm. your towns and saying and looking, is it a privatized uh, police station? Is it a privatized, uh, like, literally pull them up and look, it'll show you, you can actually go to the board of directors on most of them and it'll show you who the board of directors are. And you can literally yeah. see that the majority of them have the DA on there. They have senators on there. They have judges. They have yeah. a, a lot of real estate. How come there are real estate and lawyers on there? 
Yeah. Because you need property to traffic. Yeah. But yeah. whether they're privatized or NGOs or whatever, they're still getting taxpayer money, right? Yes. They're still being funded through that. And that's how they get around the, well, we didn't make a profit because we're a nonprofit. But yet you go, you look at like, was it Florida? You we were looking at that You pull it off night? the IRS. Oh yeah. my gosh. It was like billions, like per state. It's insanity, like billions and billions of dollars, but they're not making money. It was like Planned Parenthood used to claim the same thing. Like we're not making money off abortions. We have other healthcare services we provide women. Oh really, what are they? <laughs> they don't even do mammograms most of their places. And they were, you know, right. they were saying, oh, they were basically like um, saying they do services kind of like if you brought your car to a, a mechanic, it was ridiculous. But we all know they were making money off abortions and selling, you know, organs and just sick things like that. So for these these NGOs and privatized stuff, it's it's a sham. It's a shell game. Yeah. It's, it's the mm -hmm. same money going through all of them. And it's ours. So we're essentially yeah. funding trafficking as taxpayers. Correct. We're basically all human traffickers. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, and then the other thing about the privatization, that's what people don't understand, is that all of these different factions that everybody thinks is the government but isn't are all private and they're all protecting each other against the people. So I was just thinking about this. In my case, when they all bombarded my hospital room, the initial kidnapper said that she was a sheriff deputy, but she lied. She wasn't. And the reason that she said that was because she needed to make it sound legitimate but she didn't work for the sheriff's department. She actually was working for a children's center, so a group home, and she now works for the Alabama Law Enforcement Agency, which is basically the Alabama FBI, uh, you know, essentially, and is associated with the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, which is another foundation that we clearly know is trafficking children. So. She came in and lied and said she was a sheriff deputy and was not. And the sheriff department had nothing to do with the kidnapping. So we went to the sheriff and we said, hey, are you going to help us? And that's why he said he was he couldn't because of the federal government. But the police that are privatized were there to protect the private uh group home person, whoever, you know, whatever she was doing and CPS workers. So they're all private institutions, privatized um, agencies that are all trafficking. It's literal worldwide. It is worldwide. And then here's the other thing. The police department involved in um, keeping our son away from us, they told us about a year before my son was taken that they had all gone to Israel and were training. They had the police in our country training in Israel under the Israel government. So there's another Who interesting thing. So Heflin Police Department, so Heflin, Alabama is where my son was being held hostage. And the Heflin Police Department were trained in Israel. They literally flew them over there and trained them. So, so, so are I, you inferring like Mossad activity? I, maybe. I don't know. I, why would why would our police departments have to go to Israel to be trained? Like th these are actual like facts. You can like research American police departments, not sheriff departments, police departments being trained by Israel, going to Israel to be trained. 
I would really like to know why. Yeah, me too. Especially when we've been policing basically from the foundation of this country. I mean, like, why would we have to go elsewhere to get educated? I mean, I I have plenty of cop friends and family that have retired and things like that. And none of them had to go to another country to be trained. They did it right here in their, really within their own county. They didn't even have to go outside their county to get trained. So that is our... I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that happened in the last, or... 2015 and 2016 is when they were sending our police to Israel to be trained. So whoever's watching, start looking into that because I would like to know why that's a thing. Yeah, me too. Yep. Now I got more research to do. <laughs> You're muted again, Gina. <laughs> Okay, two times, two times. All right, so I almost. <laughs> okay, at least Sylvia's been nice both times now. I will give her that. I was that saying. Is so awful. Now I'm so like flustered. I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> I was because actually I was going to say. You. I was going to say yeah. Well, both actually, me being muted and that. But um, okay, so just let's finish up with this. You get the knock on the door, that dreaded knock, and it's you know the sheriff or the sheriff's department. And it's CPS or whatever it's called in your state, DCF, whatever. And they're like, uh, you know, Miss Smith, we're here. Um, we have an allegation, and uh, that you know you've, you know, left your kid daily for you know three hours. You were shopping and then come home or something, right? Some stupid allegation, and it's false. What is that parent supposed to do when they know it's a false allegation? The police are staring them in the face. Under you know, it's that's a scary thing. Let's face it. You've got law enforcement there, and you've got someone threatening to, to take your child. What does that person do? Well, you turn them away. Okay, uh, what if they say, what if he says, they flash about... a, they, what if they flash a warrant, though? If they flash first a warrant, you have to. First and foremost, start a live video, yes. <laughs> first of all. There needs to be a live video and we really need to start getting organized in a sense where they can call like a community of people and a community of people comes to observe or witness or protect the family kind of like back in the day when the villages would, you know, they would all protect each other. Why isn't that existing? Why are we not coming together as in a community? Why because was there they've turned us all me? against each other. Exactly. They've turned us, right. Literally, they've turned us all against yep. each other. We're not allowed to have an opinion. Uh, everyone gets offended if they don't agree. Um, and then they start turning. They have literally started the, the tip, star, 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 tips, tips, where you can just call and make an anonymous tip about your neighbor. This is how CPS gets their uh, their referrals. It's yep. literally anonymous tips, and it's by usually a person that's upset, like a custody battle. Uh, mm-hmm. Every friend that has had CPS call uh, called on them, they call me, and I say, "Who did you? Who did you piss off?" And it's usually uh, its husband, or its wife, uh, a mother-in-law, uh, some a teacher. This is how they started. They've literally turned us against each other. That's why I'm saying we have to come together. We are not the enemy. The system is. You know, it used to be but innocent. Is- it used to be innocent until proven guilty. Mm-hmm. In this system, you you are guilty. 
guilty. And you will never be found innocent. Good luck trying yeah. to prove yourself innocent ever. Like it is, they're all against you. The whole thing is rigged, everything. And I don't know, this is the part that makes me lose sleep at night, thinking about that part of it. Like how do you correct something that is so far gone without just like, I don't know. I mean, I've, we've had several guests that said civil disobedience, and that doesn't mean violence. I don't want to equate that with violence. I do not advocate for violence. None of us do. Um, but people do need to have their voices heard and show up at courts and show up, uh, you know, at, at local uh, county uh, meetings and, and with law enforcement, if law enforcement holds like town halls or something like that. Like these, these things need mm -hmm. to be addressed. And, yeah. and I don't know the answer. I'm just throwing ideas out there. But I mean, I'm sure there's people that are doing it and have, you know, reasonable ideas without violence. I mean, we have to stress that there is no violence. We would never, ever stress any type of violence towards these people. Um, I get it. Like parents are angry and they're frustrated. I would, I mean, I can't even imagine that pain. But all the people we've had on, most of them are actually, they've turned... They've turned a horrible situation into uh, most of them become either advocates or they're helping other people that are going through similar things. I mean, Danielle's a perfect example of that. Mark and Terry are a good example of that. Um, where uh, Chris, our good friend Chris now, he's, he's doing similar things, you know, like trying to find answers. Like we need people proactive that understand it and have been hurt by it and say, you know what, instead of my channeling my anger into violence, I'm going to channel it into helping others and doing good and changing the system. That's, that's the ultimate yeah. answer. And then of course, God is at the top of this. I mean, like without, without the Lord leading this, like it's, it's impossible. We're up against, this is a spiritual war we're up against too. I mean, you know, I know that's the, the, the big aspect that we're not talking about tonight, but just the nuts and bolts of all this um, is important for people to understand so that they can be proactive, do something good. So civil disobedience is obedience to God in many times because a lot of statutes are actually against God's design. Like right now, we're dealing with this Title IV E thing where they're incentivizing the removal of children, which is destroying God's design. So if you really look at it from the root, the root is that God's design, the nuclear family, the man and the woman coming together to have children and raise those children up to God is being completely destroyed from the inside out. It, by force, by fraud, by coercion, by these people that claim to be of God. So many people in my situation claim to be Christians and they're destroying my, my life or trying to. So mm -hmm. it's, it's completely backwards. It goes against the design of God. So we have to really focus, like you're saying, on God, God's design at all times. And that doesn't mean violence, like you're saying. So just civil disobedience, um, obeying God, calmly speaking truth, having the Constitution. And I mean, I have a hard time talking about this because honestly, they're not even following the Constitution. So I don't know. I, I try to tell parents to follow the Constitution as best as possible, but I even go further and I and I stick with God. So I stick with God's design, natural law. That's, that's kind of where I fall um, in natural law, meaning like God gave me my child. God gave me my rights. My rights didn't come from any government at that's all. Right. So I'm sticking with that. Mark and Terry have said the same oh. thing. You have, you have inalienable rights, unalienable rights that come from your creator. 
not from a government, not from any human being. They came from God. He gave you those children as a blessing and you to be good parents and to raise them properly. And it's a shame that somehow the government became God and these NGOs and all these privatized institutions have become God. I don't know where we went wrong, but it needs to be fixed. Well, I also think that there's an an adultery problem in this country that's kind of exacerbating the whole entire government as God thing because people have gotten, and I think this is the programming with television and music and movies, people have gotten so accustomed to basically worshiping false idols, uh, people that are celebrities and um, people that have more fame than others. And so a lot of times people are so drawn to that, that it's almost like they get trapped up in the government stuff just because they're following the the bigger celebrity and they're, and they're losing sight of, of God's design. So that's another situation that I'm realizing more and more is people's brains are hardwired right now because of programming to worship false idols, which The government is one big false idol. <laughs> yeah. Everybody thinks the government solves their problems. Well, not everybody, but a lot of people do. And it, the gov- the government has never solved the problem. I mean, <laughs> they just create more issues and problems. Yeah. I mean, if you've ever been to the DMV or Secretary of State, whatever it's called in your state, you would, you see the problems. You see what government does. It's a disaster. It's, <laughs> it's a very frustrating yeah. day when you have to go there thank god they have kiosks now like you get to go to the kiosk and Mm -hmm. yeah like get your new tabs and so oh man oh it was such a nightmare going (laughs) that's another show uh all right so anything else ladies before we close up shop here um i was like no i think we i think we covered everything just basically when you come across a family or a friend or or some or even a foster child because they've done this to the foster children too where they have made them the liar and they tell you not to believe them and, and they already have this stigma on them that people are like oh they're just a foster child don't believe them they have issues you know stop and think you know listen and research and uh don't be so judgmental uh with assuming that they did something wrong because all the stories that we're hearing from these parents they put really horrible stories on these parents and they do that so that your brain automatically goes oh no we can't we can't listen to that Uh, because Mm -hmm. all the stories have been like trafficking uh rape um it uh sexual abuse and these are false stories false stories um but because we're literally just our brain just shuts down when when we hear those and that's the reason that we do that's the reason they do it yeah exactly well um you guys if you want to follow the work these ladies are doing you can go over to the new uh what is it x twitter whatever you want to call it elon musk x (laughs) uh you can follow sylvia's private account that's uh, Sylvia, what is that? Oh, at, at Beachy Sylvia, or you can go to Rescue the Fosters at Rescue the Fosters on Twitter, and then also Danielle's is D Nicole. That's N I C H O L E one twelve, 
and you can check out her. They, these ladies are posting great stuff all day long. Uh, and then you can also <laughs> go to the website, rescuethefosters.org, and lots of resources here. Um, if you are, a couple things. If you're a whistleblower, we really need whistleblowers. Yes. We've been you know, blowing this horn for a while now, but we really need you to come out and um, speak up against what you've seen, the atrocities you've either witnessed, participated maybe even in without, you know, with ignorance. You can do it anonymously, or uh, if you want to be interviewed, we're up for that too. We are desperate need of people within the system. Um, or if you're a parent, if you were a parent and this has happened to you, you want to tell your story, come on. If you're a foster parent and you want to give your side of the story and, and seeing the atrocities from that side, please uh, reach out to the ladies here at Rescue the Fosters. That's rescuethefosters.org. You can um, email them from there. You can. We also need donations. We're always open for donations. Yeah. Uh, this is a nonprofit, folks. Um, both these women work. Yep. Sorry, Gino. I was gonna say Go donations. None of us like asking for them, but the truth is, <laughs> we don't have any other option. So we are doing everything we possibly can right now out of our own pocket. Somebody had asked recently, you know, why is the website not updated? Truth be told, Sylvia and I have other jobs because we have to survive and we have had a lot of work to do. And on top of it, many parents come to us. We're speaking to parents all day, every day, trying to get parents to safe places. We've had parents calling us crying where we've had to literally, you know, a couple parents recently calling us crying, escaping trafficking situations where we have to make sure they're okay. I mean, we have so much work to do and um, I really just joined the board recently. So, and Sylvia has been working so hard for over a year, like just doing everything she possibly can with this. So anything and everything helps because it's not just helping us. It's helping every single family that's been in this position where they've lost everything, including their children. So there's that. And there's also volunteers. We need volunteers. We need people to mm -hmm. advocate for children inside of group homes and um, just help us with, you know, all the different things that take to run a nonprofit. So. Yes. Really Thank you, Danielle. Yeah, we really do need volunteers and group homes. I have um, a child in a group home right now in West Virginia uh, that I really need a mentor. If you're in the state of West Virginia, uh, this child there, uh, we're, we're working on getting her out of the group home. But if you're not sure what to do and you want to help, um, that is the best way because they place the children so far away. They place this child four hours away from her family. Um, and then they only give them like 15 minute calls a day, like one 15 minute call a day. Uh, so th these are kid prisons. We are talking about kid prisons. Um, yeah. and all you have to do to mentor, um, uh, we can do a background check for you. We can get you approved. And then um, you would just um, go in and spend time with the child. It's basically to get them out of their environment for a few hours a week. That's it. I, I used to mentor. That's how I got started. And it's basically you take them out. You just get them out of their environment. Let them breathe for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then uh, give them time to vent. And um, you get to know them. You get to know what's going on in the group home. 
and it does really help. Yep. Yeah, I can attest to both these ladies work extremely hard. I don't even know if they sleep, honestly. Like they're doing their nine to nope. five <laughs> and while they're doing their nine to five jobs, they're constantly working up new ways of saving children and helping parents. Like it's it's very commendable. It's amazing to see. I've been a, I'm so proud and honored to be a part of it. Um, just knowing that it's God's work. This is God's work. And these women are committed. And um, we, have t we have team members that are, you know, behind the scenes doing great work too. And I don't want to leave anybody out um, because mm -hmm. everybody, it, there's a common goal. And the goal is to end this nightmare and rescue families and children. That's, that's the whole goal. And so awareness is key. If you guys are watching right now, we would definitely appreciate a share. Um, if you can hit that thumbs up over on Rumble or the Red Pill here on Foxhole, that would be appreciated um, because we need awareness. We need more views. We need more people to see what's going on. We need more donations. And, you know, mm -hmm. no one likes begging for money. Let's face it. Like, that's like the last thing anybody wants to do. But I promise you, if you donate to their organization, it will get spent properly. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's, it's a grassroots thing. It started, you know, Sylvia and KK, uh, you know, I mean, well, it's only been what, 15 months, a maybe, year. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, it's been a year. Yeah. Yeah. So please help if you can, we appreciate you ladies. Awesome. That was great information tonight. Thank you so much. As always, um, we will be back on Tuesday next week. We have a great guest, Sylvia. Who's our guest Tuesday. It is Christina, uh, with, Oh gosh, uh, daughters. Oh, I'll have to give you the name. Yeah, it was daughter, <laughs> daughters, warriors. Of, yeah, something. That, I don't know. I, it was. It was a cool name. We just you're can't gonna love right her. <laughs> she's she's gonna be amazing. And we also have Carlos warriors, coming on. He was the daughter of God. Daughter, there you go. Yes, and we had uh, Carlos was scheduled. He's the whistleblower from the H, uh, DHS. Um, yes. He was supposed to come on. He's in police state, but he will be joining us probably in the next week or two. I would think we'll, maybe we'll do a special to get him back on maybe on a Tuesday night also. Uh, yeah. But to, uh, I think, and I don't quote me on this people, but me and Megan Walsh are starting a new show. It's called reexamined. We're going to be going critically over Adam Walsh's murder from 1981. We will be going uh, evidence, one piece of evidence to another. And we're going to, prove without a shadow of a doubt that the narrative that has been told for 40 plus years by John Walsh and America's Most Wanted and, you know, uh, NECMAC, all these organizations, it's a narrative that I think you're going to find like, well, that, that doesn't seem like the narrative they've been telling us. This seems a little different. And it's the, it's just evidence. It's not our opinions. So that starts, I believe, this Saturday at 11 p.m. Uh, hopefully you'll join us. That's re-examined right here on Foxhole and on Rumble on Insight Channel. So please join us. If it's not this Saturday, it will be the following. We're, I, I'm just waiting on Megan to confirm some things, but um, hopefully it's this Saturday because I really want to get that rolling. I think that's an important story that needs to be told. And that's, yep. that is yes. a key to a lot of the trafficking that we're seeing today, that case. Yes, I'm excited that is, for that one. Yeah, that's the linchpin. Uh, and then also I will be back Sunday evening, 9 p.m. with my good friend, Michael, Christian Patriot Network down there in Texas good friend down in Texas doing the blender. Um, always a fun show on the blender. And Danielle enjoys the blender, don't you, Danielle? I love the blender. I love the dad jokes. That's my favorite. Yeah, they <laughs> are quite funny. <laughs> they're, they're so, you know what? I added uh, I added a little like elevator music so that it's not just dead, dead space now. So there'll be some music behind the dad jokes. 
and I think we're going to add a couple other little surprises. So we'll, that, that is fun. Nice. It's fun doing those. They're so Yay. stupid. You have to laugh, but um, it, yeah. So please join us 9 PM, the blender on same, same channel. And that will be Sunday at 9 PM. So anything else ladies before we go? No. Um, we just love you, Gino. We thank you so much for being our brother and just talking to us every day and hearing us vent. Yes. <laughs> so thank He's you. He's our counselor. So yeah, he counselor. Is. <laughs> no, I love you guys too, man. I think we we're doing God's work and it's, it's a pleasure. I, I honestly, like, I, I love working with you guys and it's not just work. We're friends. I mean, like, let's face it. We've become friends. We'll be friends for life. And yeah. we'll, we got each other's back and it's good to know that you have people that care about you. And, you know, I've only, I've met Danielle in person. I have not met Sylvia in person yet, but that day's <laughs> coming know. soon, hopefully. Yeah. So, um, soon. but, but we're still, you know, it's an amazing relationships we've developed over the last year and a half, two years. And just knowing that we're in it to win it. That's what it's all about. Yes. Yep. Yeah. All, all right, of us, guys. the whole team, the whole team, yeah. everybody everybody yeah you know tony's out there if tony you're watching of course it's tony pam jack i want to name jack we've done max uh jack. We did max we did yes. maximus disclosure last uh <laughs> gosh what night was that was that last monday yeah last monday yeah. so if you want to watch anything about maximus the global empire of maximus we're doing shows me and jack pendergrass um of course megan walsh of course we got to mention megan but you know we've got just a bunch of great people that are doing good work because they love children and they want to save families so anyway with all that being said thank you all for joining us have a great night god bless you um we will see you hopefully saturday night at 11 p.m take care bye love y'all